As Brent was saying that, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit spoke to some of you. And he laid that on your heart. If you want you in Awana or some other ministry, go ahead and open right now to Luke chapter 22, our text for this morning, and then say yes. Don't negotiate, don't bargain with God, just do it. Do what God says, submit to his will. George Truett said that success is knowing and doing the will of God. And I think he's entirely correct. As when it's judged from an eternal perspective, most of what people are saying about success today will be blown to smithereens on the last day. In fact, even before then at our death. But the one who does the will of God, John said, will abide forever. Success is knowing and doing the will of God. Truett also said that knowing the will of God is the greatest knowledge. Finding the will of God is the greatest discovery, and doing the will of God is the greatest achievement. And I think that's one of the reasons, among many, why we exalt Jesus so highly. If success is knowing and doing the will of God, then Jesus Christ qualified at every level. And that's why we magnify Him. In this text in Luke chapter 23, Jesus is spending the evening in prayer, submitting to God's will, the night before his crucifixion. He's yielded and he has surrendered. And this in his life and his time on earth is a turning point. He's making a choice to do the will of God because it will lead to the cross where he'll pay for sins. He will accomplish redemption and purchase back the earth and souls. And that will lead to his resurrection. And that will lead to his vindication. And that will lead to two millenniums of praise to his name And that will lead to the opportunity for every person on the earth, including you, to repent and to trust the gospel of Christ. Where a person is or can be with Jesus Christ today all hinges on this text in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse number 36. Now, had Jesus gotten this wrong and repudiated the will of God, we today would be putting him in the same class as Pharaoh, Saul, King Ahab, or at best, at best, Solomon, whose life was seriously compromised. But Jesus Christ got this right, so he is exalted to the next level, the highest level of glory. Because in the garden, Jesus demonstrated next level submission by embracing God's will. Beginning in verse 39, coming out, He went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, Well, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. 
Most Christians have submitted to the easy areas of God's will, or at least those areas that are not too inconvenient and do not cause sorrow, suffering, pain, or sacrifice. Church attendance, and for some, giving. And for others, they don't murder anybody. Not much pain involved in that. It's not very inconvenient. But what God wants us to do is to move to the next level of submission to His will, to move higher, onward, and forward to those areas that are demonstrated and displayed in the life of Christ. In fact, to go so far as to do God's will, we're willing to do it without bargaining, without negotiating, even if it hurts, even if it's inconvenient, and even if it means a total rearrangement of every detail of our lives. And when we get to that point, then, and only then, are we like Jesus. So this morning, I want to address the subject, next level submission, and ask and answer the question, what does it involve? And the first thing it involves is discipline. Verse 39 to 40 say, Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives to pray, as was His custom, or as He was accustomed to doing in verse number 39. He he had the discipline to pray and to withdraw and to get alone with God and to seek Him. He was disciplined. In other words, Jesus had a disciplined time, a scheduled time of prayer in which He submitted to the Father. Small habits like that yield great achievements. Great achievements of life are built upon some of the small habits of life. You can rise to the next level of submission with God when you plan to, when you discipline yourself to do so. I learned this many years ago, and so I read Dick Eastman's book, The Hour That Changes the World. He's got 12 different categories of prayer from the Scripture that he encourages us to spend five minutes in every day, giving us 60 minutes of prayer a day. And the second of those that I've written out on my prayer list, and I've written it out, by the way, because a short pencil is is better than a long memory, right? So I've written it out. I don't trust my memory. And the second thing, after praising God in my prayers, I move on to submission and yield everything to Him. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, to relinquish your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And so I say, dear God, here I am. I give my whole self. I give you my mind. I give you my mouth. I give you my ears. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you everything that is in me and yield and surrender it. And that is a plan personally I pursue every day. Now, I'm not perfect at it, but the fact that I'm imperfect shouldn't discourage anyone from submitting to God on a daily basis because if I didn't do that, I'd be worse than what I am. You see, it's like church attendance. Some people look at some people and say, well, there's no way church attendance has done them any good. Well, how do you know? If they didn't go, they might be worse. But you don't know because they go. And the same is true when it comes to this issue here. We submit. We are to submit. We're to plan to submit. We're to discipline ourselves to submit to Him every day. Now, discipline is not pretty. Discipline is not attractive. Discipline will never be homecoming queen. Discipline is not vivacious. Discipline is grunt work. Discipline does not come dressed in a sequin gown or a tuxedo. Discipline comes dressed in overalls or dirty blue jeans and muddy 
boots. It is unattractive, it is homely, it is dull, but it is an element in every effective Christian life. It's an element in every marriage that is effective. It is an element in every effective walk with God. And if you want to move to the next level of submission with God, you'll have to plan to do so with discipline. So that's the first element. But there's a second element. Not only discipline, but denial. Next level, denial. Jesus said at least three times in the Gospels, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He said that at least three times. And here in the garden... He performs it. What Jesus expected of us, He performed Himself. Verse 42 and verse number 43. Look there. He said, Father, if it's Your will, take this cup away from Me. Nevertheless, not My will, but Yours be done. Then an angel appeared to Him from heaven, strengthening Him. Now here there is denial's alternative. He says, if it's possible, take this cup away from me. Jesus is entirely God, but He's also entirely human. And Jesus had to, like we do, intentionally, purposefully submit Himself to the Father's will. It was not an automatic thing because He's God. As the perfect human, He demonstrated how we are to live without compromising His deity or diluting His deity at all. He's 100% God, but He's also 100% man. And here, He is choosing to place God's will above his own. So that's discipline's alternative. Then there's discipline's need. He said, let this cup pass from me. The cup in the Old Testament was symbolic or used often when it came to judgment. And Jesus is viewing the cross as judgment. The cross is a good example. It is redemption. It is the defeat of demonic powers. But the cross is also payment for our sins. It is suffering the wrath of God. And Jesus is asking the Father to remove that from him if it's possible. Now many have speculated why he makes this request. Some have said he didn't want to be separated from the Father. I imagine that is uh, much the case. Some have said that he didn't want to leave the disciples at that moment. He wanted more time with them. I can imagine that. He didn't want to go through the pain of the cross. I'm, I'm iffy on that. That's sketchy because of Hebrews 12. But whatever it is, Jesus here understands he's about to suffer the wrath of God and he asked for another way. But then there's denial's voice. Look what he said. Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. In other words, only if it's your will. I circumscribe this request for myself in your will. If it's not in your will, don't grant it. If it is in your will, please do. And this is the only time on the pages of Scripture where someone right with God ever prayed and God told him no. He's never told me no when I prayed in his will. But here he's t telling Jesus, no. But here is the voice of denial. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not only did the Father deny the first part of the re request, Jesus denied himself. And then there's denial's reward. It says in verse 43, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. You will have strength to do anything in the will of God and only what's in the will of God. God gives strength to do His will. Now here's, here's my point. If the sinless, holy, and perfect Jesus found it necessary to deny His own will to do God's, don't be discouraged if you find that on a daily basis 
you've got to deny your own will. It's part of the human condition. And so you don't become discouraged by that. In fact, Galatians 5.17 says, The spirit wars, excuse me, the flesh, our sinful nature, wars against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. So that you, and they're contrary to one another, so that you do not do what you want. In other words, you've got to understand and accept the reality of this and plan for this on a daily basis early in the morning. And that is, you and I are a walking civil war under the best of circumstances. On a daily basis, on a daily basis, we are at war in our soul. So most decisions in days are a civil war to one degree or another. Sometimes these wars are a full tactical assault. Sometimes they're a little less and they're a street fight. Sometimes they're a little less and they're bickering. But one way or another, you're going to battle your flesh and you're going to battle God's will. There will be a civil war. You've got to plan on that on a daily basis. But denying your own will To do the will of God is the essence of a faithful walk with God. And when you do, then you become the kind of person that can move to next level submission where Jesus is. You can take yourself to the next level as you deny your will. But there's a third element here in next level submission. And that is delight. Now imagine a bride on the day of her wedding. She's been planning it since she was two years old. And here it is. That's what she has. It's the day of her wedding. Imagine a five-year-old a week before Christmas, and the delight is there. Imagine the delight of those who took seriously Warren Buffett's offer back in 2014 that he would give a billion dollars to anyone who could predict a perfect NCAA March Madness men's basketball bracket. Anyone that could do that, he would give them a billion dollars, and no one ended up collecting. But just imagine... The delight of someone offered a billion dollars and they would win it. Some of that delight is here in the text. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says that Jesus, uh, Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross. Look at verse uh, number um, 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus obviously is delighting in the will of God. And it's seen in several ways here in this text. There's delight in repetition. Did you see Verse number 41 and 44 have something in the Greek text that you can't see in the English. There's several ways to make a past tense statement in Greek. Um, One of those is the aorist. That's a point in time, something that's completed and oftentimes pointed and momentary. But then there's the imperfect, which implies repeated action. And the imperfect, the repeated action, is in verse 41 and 44. Look what it says. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and repeatedly prayed. That's the imperfect tense when it says prayed. Then verse 44, being in agony, he repeatedly prayed. In other words, he is, re- he is uh, being repetitious. He is praying over and over again. He's collapsing to his knees and rising. 
and collapsing to his knees and rising. And with every collapse, he's crying out to the Father, if it's your will, take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your be done. If it's your will, take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If, if it's your will, take this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's repeating this over again. And so he is delighting in the will of God. It's on his heart. It's his fire. It's his drive. It's his soul. And then there's delight in his intensity. Verse number 44. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then a sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. Now Luke is a physician. And he would be rather sensitive to this reality. The other gospel authors don't record this. But Jesus is so intense in prayer, he may be suffering a, a medical episode here where the sweat glands burst and they're mixed with blood. It's a very rare condition, but they're caused by oftentimes intensity of thought and intensity in in the body. It's called hematidrosis. And this is what's taking place here. Jesus is praying so intensely, the sweat glands in his head burst and he begins to bleed. And his blood is mixed with perspiration and it falls to the ground. Jesus Christ has a heart for submitting to the will of God. He could say like the psalmist in Psalms 40 verse 8, I delight to do your will. He could say with David in Psalms 119 over and over again. In fact, an emphasis of the psalm, Psalms 119, verse 16, I delight myself in your statutes. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. Verse 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Verse 47, I will delight myself in your commandments. Verse number 70, their heart is as insensitive as grease, but I delight in your law. Verse number 77, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Verse number 174 of Psalms 119, I long for your salvation, O Lord, your law is my delight. Jesus had a delight in the will of God. Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised all the shame. Jesus had a heart for the will of God. That's where his desire was, his delight, and his drive. Now, why is, it, why is it that anyone would ever consider delighting in the will of God? It's a good question to ask, and I want to give you four brief reasons. One is fear. The wise person will fear disobedience before God. The one who is wise will be as fearful of disobedience as he or she is, snakebite. And those that have had the sad opportunity to walk away from God and to dwell in disobedience, when they come to Christ, generally can be heard to say, I don't ever want that life again. I've had enough of it. Now, the problem with some is that they haven't had enough of it yet. And so they play this religious, worldly game back and forth. And they're almost schizophrenic in the way they handle things. They, they don't have a cumulative holiness when they come on Sunday. They've got merely a day holiness. They, they live wild during the week, but then they start thinking about it Saturday night and try to get their mind right and settled. When in fact, all week long we should walk with God in purity and holiness because we fear disobedience to God. But there's a second reason, and that is love. Our hearts are set on Jesus and we want Him happy. 
And because we want him happy, we delight in his will. But there's a third reason, and that is trust. We are convinced and we trust that his way is superior and his way is the safest. And that's where our trust is. And then the fourth reason is we're an influence. Others will take our example seriously. In fact, you've got to know, our research shows that people take our example far more than what we realize. They take us much more seriously than what we could ever imagine. And they will take two plus two that we provide them and turn it in not to four, but five and six and ten every time. Children especially. Children oftentimes will take things two or three steps further than what we intend for them to. And so we're very guarded, we're very careful then to do God's will. Now let me assure you, when you view submission to God's will as a bride does her wedding day, as a five-year-old views Christmas Day, as someone might view the offer of a billion dollars, when you view God's will that way, then you're like Jesus. And you're on your way to the next level of submission. God wants us to to delight then in His view and His evaluation. So this morning, I want to encourage you to submit to His evaluation of you, to delight in it. Ezekiel 18.23 says, The soul that sins, it shall die. In other words, any person that's ever sinned is facing a death before God. Not only the death of the body, but death in eternity, perishing forever is what the Scripture teaches. We accept that and we cry out to God and say, Oh God, I deserve every bit of it. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So if we come humbly before God, acknowledging that God is righteous and true, perfectly justified in His condemnation of us, there is hope then for God's grace. And and so we not only submit and delight in his evaluation in the fact that someone has finally told us the truth about ourselves, but we also submit and delight in his way. Isaiah 45, 22, look to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. Don't look to your own self. Don't look to your virtue. Don't look to your religious works. Don't look to your performance. Don't look to your uh, behavior. Look to me, all the ends of the earth. Looking to Jesus for salvation is sufficient for the whole earth. No matter how high, no matter how low, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cleanse any sin any human has ever committed. Jesus Christ is enough. And so you don't have to get better. You don't have to turn over a new leaf. It would never please God anyway. Jesus Christ pleased God and He's willing to share that status with you. If you'll turn away from arrogance and pride and anything that keeps you from Him and take only His gift of eternal life. If you'll cry out to Him humbly that way, He'll work a great work of salvation in you. Would you stand with me please and let's pray about it. Father in heaven, we thank You for the opportunity to turn to You today. How we honor and praise You. And I want to pray today, O God, that You would help us to delight in and submit to Your evaluation and to your way. I pray our hearts would not be rebellious at all. In fact, in this time, O God, we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, O God, because you're our rock and you're our redeemer. May your Holy Spirit break loose in hearts and lives today. Help those that need to come to know Christ come to know Him quickly, now, today, that they would leave with grace. Those that need to become part of Beach Haven, move on them. Those that need to turn a burden over to you, 
or to submit to your will or rededicate their lives to Christ, would you please make that a reality? And God, my prayer is today is that Jesus would be pleased with every soul today and that there would not be a single departure from this property today of any person that would be outside His will. May we all be committed and yielded to precisely what Jesus said. And that is, not my will, but yours be done. Now keep your heads bowed and keep talking to God. But our staff's going to be here in the front. We want to invite you to come to give your heart and life to Christ. Don't wait. You're in the midst of friends. This is the most friendly place on all the earth to come give your heart and life to Jesus. Most friendly place on the earth, if you already know Him, to become part of Beach Haven. It's the most friendly place, the easiest place on earth to do the will of God. And you know what it is. He's pressing it on your mind and He's pressing it on your heart. Would you come? I'm going to finish my prayer and Tim's going to lead us in a song. And we're going to encourage you to come to get the help and to go public for Jesus as you need. Lord God, would you please do a neat work and may the Holy Spirit be completely free to reign in souls today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come. Let's sing together. Let's, let this be our prayer to Him.